0: This is the podcast for Woodland Presbyterian Church in Memphis, Tennessee. We are maturing God's people to serve a hurting world. We hope you enjoy the message. And if you'd like to learn more about our church, look us up at woodlandprez.org. Thanks so much. May the Lord bless you. Again, to continue with this uh, stewardship theme, we're um, in a series called Home Economics. Um, Home Economics, you may have had the class where you uh, we mainly focused on what to do in the kitchen, but you know that home economics deal a lot more than just how to manage a kitchen and to make food and to manage a budget. There's a lot of things that go on in taking care of your home and paying the bills and making sure that everything is up to speed. And we're also then considering, what does it mean for us as a church family uh, to take care of the house of the Lord? How do we use the resources God has given to us, not only the financial resources, but our our energy, our time, our relationships, uh, all those things to help the church uh, to become mature so that disciples are made so that the world can be uh, cared for and encouraged. And so we're thinking about that. The word economics comes from uh, the word oikos, which means household, and nomos, which is law. So these are the laws of the household and in any good family like in Rick's family those values of giving and of sacrifice and of charity get passed down uh, From the mothers and fathers and grandmothers and grandparents to the next generation they get passed along And so part of what we're doing is to think through how do we live into those values that God uh, has given to us? Last week I shared the story about the rich young ruler uh, who came to Jesus and Jesus called him to let go of his material possessions and to follow him. Jesus was inviting this man into his family, into his own oikos, uh, into a life of discipleship, because he really wanted to teach Jesus, he wanted to teach this rich young about true wealth. So I talked about what is wealth. The word means well-being. And we often think of material wealth when we uh, hear the word wealth. We think of lots of money, but well-being goes much beyond uh, Uh, having a lot of money and you know people probably in your life that have a lot of money but they don't have relationships they don't have faith they don't have meaning or significance so real wealth comes from an understanding of all those aspects all those realities and that's what this series is about is for us to grow in those ways and then to think through in this one small part of my life my financials how do I give generously to the work of God uh, in the world so this morning we're going to be reading from uh, Luke chapter 16 uh, verses 1 through 15 Fifteen. If you're able, please stand with me for the reading of God's Word. This is the Word of God. He also said to the disciples, There was a rich man who had a manager, and charges were brought to him that this man was wasting his possessions. And he called him and said to him, What is this that I hear about you? Turn in the account of your management, for you can no longer be manager. And the manager said to himself, What shall I do, since my master is taking the management away from me? I am not strong enough to dig, and I am ashamed to beg. I have decided what to do, so that when I am removed from management, people may receive me into their houses. So summoning his master's debtors one by one, he said to the first, How much do you owe my master? He said, A hundred measures of oil. He said to him, Take your bill and sit down quickly and write fifty. Then he said to another, And how much do you owe? And he said, A hundred measures of wheat. He said to him, Take your bill and write eighty. The master commended the dishonest manager for his shrewdness. For the sons of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own generation than the sons of light. And I tell you, make friends for yourselves by means of unrighteous wealth, so that when it fails, they may receive you into their eternal dwellings. One who is faithful in very little is also faithful in much, and one who is dishonest in very little is also dishonest in much." If then you have not been faithful in the unrighteous wealth, who will entrust to you the true riches? And if you have not been faithful in that which is in others, who will give you that which is your own? No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. The word of God for the people of God. Maybe may be seated. We thank you, Lord, for your word and uh, for this challenge, uh, this story that is a bit confusing, but that teaches us about your grace and about what it means to handle the resources that you've entrusted to us. So we pray that, God, we would walk in obedience as a result of encountering your word, uh, that you would reveal your truth to us, and that we might obey. In Jesus' name, amen. Who is the most uh, successful financial person that's ever lived? When you think about um, a financial planner or someone who does really well, I would you maybe say Rockefeller was a person who uh, dealt with wealth and had a lot of it. Uh, Warren Buffett maybe is a person who manages real estate and is the, the, the most, uh, the best expert of all time on money. But I would say the person who knows most about how to deal with finances is... Jesus. Of course, it's the number one Sunday school answer. So if anyone ever says, what do you think about this in church? The answer probably is Jesus, right? Jesus is the greatest economist, the greatest investment strategist in history, because Jesus is the master of the good life. I talked last week about uh, what does it mean to have the good life. We, we often think of the good life as uh, lifestyles of the rich and famous. I'm Robin Leach, right? Remember that show? It was a long time ago, some of you. <laughs> many, many of you don't remember that show. Uh, we think of wealth. We think of money. But true wealth is something different. It's the good life. It's a life of flourishing. It's a life of, of joy, of meaning, of significance that can include material possessions. But you don't have to have material possessions to have the good life. The way that Jesus understands about having the good life is that Jesus is an expert on uh, capital. Uh, this, uh, I read, We read a book as a church a few years ago about capitals uh, called oikonomics, and it was really helpful. It's, it's been something I've thought about a lot, so I'll be referring back to some of the authors. Of Material there we think about capital economists look at the world in terms of capital what is a capital it refers to the goods or assets we have in our possession that we can invest what's something that I have that I can invest to get more capital economies are built on the exchange of capital we normally think of uh, in terms of monetary value but there's all kinds of different capitals that exist so think about this, land is natural capital, like the resources of that land. Uh, labor is human capital. Knowledge is intellectual capital. Infrastructure is public capital. And even brand value is a social capital, right? Uh, we see a certain logo and we know what that company stands for because of the history that it has existed. So essentially the world works as a network of relationships where we invest particular kinds of capital in particular kinds of ways, and Jesus, the great economist, understands that the kingdom works in the same way. And So this morning we see there are different kinds of capitals that exist in the kingdom by looking at this parable of what's called the parable of the dishonest manager. So we learn about a guy who, he's a manager, he works for a very wealthy man, a rich man. The rich man was told that the manager was wasting his possession, so he calls the manager into account and he says to turn in all your accounts. You've been doing this work for me, it's time to pay me back all the money that is owed to me. So he calls him in and he says, where's all my money? The manager has not been collecting the the, the rich man's debts, he's been doing a very poor job, and so now he's faced with getting fired as a manager. So he says, what am I to do? I'm not strong enough to dig, and I'm ashamed to beg. So he comes up with this idea. He says, I'm gonna go around all the people that owe my master money, and I'm going to uh, take off some of what they owe, thereby getting the rich man some of his money, He's also lowering the payout. And he's buying favor with the people he's doing business with. He figures, hey, if I'm gonna lose my job, at least it's a good idea for me to be in good with all these other people. So when I get fired, they'll be able to take care of me. So he goes and does it. He says, the first, how much do you owe? 100 measures of oil, make it 50. 100 of wheat, make it 80. So basically, the manager is writing down the price so he can save his own skin. It sounds a little unsavory, doesn't it? We just kind of think, Ah, why are you doing it like that? Not only has he been unfaithful to the work to which he's called, but he's also cutting into the profits of his master just to save himself. We expect a rich man to come in and say, how could you do this? First you're bad at your job, and now you're stealing from me. But instead, verse 8 says, the master commended the dishonest manager for his shrewdness. Hmm. Wise. Clever. Insightful. Why would the rich man call the dishonest manager shrewd? And it seems like Jesus agrees with them. He says, For the sons of the world, meaning those who aren't sons of God, are more shrewd in dealing with their own generation than the sons of light. Is Jesus saying that worldly people are better at doing deals? What's going on in this text? It gets even more shocking as you continue on in the story. Jesus says in verse 9, And I tell you, make friends for yourselves by the means of unrighteous wealth, so that way when it, it fails, you may receive into the eternal dwellings. Make friends for yourselves by means of unrighteous wealth? Why? Just using your money to buy your friends? Well, first of all, Jesus is not saying that stealing from your employer uh, is to save yourself is a good thing. He's, he's saying instead, taking advantage of the opportunity before you is a good thing. If you have the chance to make a wise investment, you should do it. The main point of the parable is revealed in Jesus' last statement. He says, you can't serve God and money, which means whatever you value the most is going to eventually win out in your life. If you value the money and the things that money can buy, the most you'll pursue, you'll pursue those things the most and protect those things. If you value God and his kingdom the most, you'll seek to invest there as much as possible. So when we understand that Jesus' main point is you can't serve God and money, we can begin to understand the rest of the story. Jesus was telling the hearers that their method of assigning value to the elements of the world was way off. In fact, their entire, the entire parable is about how to value various forms of capital in order to use it wisely. Remember that a capital is a good or asset that we have in our possession that we can invest. So what are those capitals? Well, first, the first two capitals we've identified in this parable are financial capital. Right? That's that's money. And we also see that there is something called spiritual capital. This is God himself. It's a relationship with God. It's the peace that we get from knowing God. As a follower of Jesus, it's the, it's the benefit that we receive of entering into God's family and knowing him as our Lord. Throughout the New Testament, Jesus teaches us that spiritual capital is very different than financial capital. And it's actually far more valuable than financial capital. He makes this point over and over uh, because the world around him had it exactly the wrong way. Most of the world believes that financial capital is the most important capital. But Jesus is saying that spiritual capital is way more valuable. And we're the same way as the people in the, in the parable. Uh, they, as, sometimes people actually equate financial capital and spiritual capital. There's this assumption that if you're doing well financially, then you have a good relationship with God. This perspective causes the people in the story uh, to make bad investments because people will choose money above God but so we also see in the in the parable that there's different kinds of capital as well when the manager is trying to deal with the reality that he's going to be fired he starts thinking okay what do I do next I'm not strong enough to dig there if we see a different type of capital is physical energy strength and it's a limited resource the energy that I have. He's thinking, here's a possible way of gaining financial capital. If I use my energy to dig a hole, I would be able to get paid for that. It's manual labor, the labor that we require. This is physical capital. It's the amount of time and, and, and energy that we have to invest. Knowing that he doesn't have a lot of energy to invest, I'm not strong enough to dig, he realizes this is not a good option for him. So we've got, so far, financial capital, physical capital, and spiritual capital. Financial is the most tangible and highly valued by people. Spiritual is actually the most available. Physical is apparently somewhere in the middle. Are there others? Yes. So after realizing he doesn't want to dig, he says, ah, I've decided what I want to do. He comes up with a brilliant idea for which he's praised later by the master. One that gives him the name, the shrewd manager. His insight is actually another form of capital intellectual capital. It's the ideas that he has, the knowledge, the creativity that he uses, and he invests. The manager uses his creativity to think creatively and to come up with an idea for how to survive the job after he loses it. And the last kind of capital we see in the parable is in the content of the idea the manager comes up with. He uses his last few hours of his authority over his master's financial capital to reduce the debt that several people owed to his master. He figured that would allow him to be welcomed into their home. By reducing the debt, he's gaining what is called relational capital. So the shrewd manner leveraged his intellectual capital to come up with the idea of investing financial capital to grow relational capital. And so even though the rich man realized the manager was scheming with his money, he recognizes the wisdom that the man is using here. Using your financial capital, intellectual, physical, to gain relational capital is a good investment. Jesus is saying rather bluntly, use your wealth to gain friends. It sounds strange to us, uh, but in reality, we do it all the time. You spend your financial capital to go to the beach with your family, to go on vacation with someone. You go out to dinner often, it's to spend time with people, or you you spend money at the store to gather a nice meal, to have people over so that you can forge relationships. It's very rare that we go out to dinner by ourselves. Who does that? Sometimes we do. If you're on a trip, maybe you need to. But often, when we're spending our money and our time, we want to do it because we want to leverage the relationships that we have. Jesus is saying, it's worth investing your financial capital to grow your relational capital. Why did he say that? Because guess what? Relational capital is more valuable than financial capital. It's a huge point. You should invest your financial capital to build relational capital because it is worth more. It is a good investment. When you spend your money and when you spend your time investing in relationships, that's worthwhile. So let's just define these uh, capitals in order of the value in the kingdom. Spiritual capital. It's a way of talking about the depth of our relationship with God as a disciple of Jesus, which results in a kind of spiritual equity that we can invest in other people. The currency of that spiritual capital is wisdom and power that come from hearing what God is saying and being able to respond in faith and obedience. the spiritual capital that you have where you open up the scriptures and in a time of difficulty you say, the most important thing for me to do as a family is to move from Texas back to Honduras to go and serve people. Because I've I've had an encounter with the Word of God that leads to the the blessing of a people and the story of a granddaughter who travels around and to tell that story, right? That's something that is valuable. And the great thing about spiritual capital is that everyone has access to it. Right? Everyone has access because, guess what, if you have the Word of God, if you have a relationship with God, then you can grow in your spiritual capital. And it's the most important and valuable capital that exists. Relational capital is how much relational equity I have to invest. The currency in uh, relational capital is family and friends. All those relationships that help me when I'm going through something difficult, right? When you face something challenging, when you had to rush to the hospital, or when you were in a financial need, what did you do? You called someone you knew and trusted, and they were able to help you because you had relational capital. Physical. ...is how much time and energy I have. The currency of physical capital is hours in the day and my health. We see as we get older how it's harder to do things it's more difficult to go out and do the yard work than it used to be we have less energy for those things I we did what 15 bags of leaves at our house yesterday I have no energy for doing leaves anymore but I looked out on my yard this today and I thought oh, it's all nice and green and there's no leaves not until this afternoon will they be back (laughs) but it takes a lot of energy to do that Intellectual capital is the creativity, the ideas, and the knowledge I have to invest. The currency of intellectual capital are concepts, ideas, information, and application. And then finally, financial capital is how much treasure I have to invest. And the currency of financial capital is pretty obvious it's dollars and cents, pounds, and pennies. But notice on the list, and in the kingdom, spiritual capital is listed first. It's the most valuable, even though the world thinks that financial capital is the most valuable. So who is happier at the end of their life? The person with a lot of money and no friends? Or someone who has a lot of relationships and very little money? Would you rather have lots of money or lots of faith and lots of wisdom? What makes life significant? Having a deep trust in God and a relationship with Jesus, and being connected to others, or having a lot of money in a bank account. Jesus is saying that we should invest the capital that we have to get more of a more valuable kind of capital. Learning to live in the Kingdom of God means valuing various forms of capital appropriately and making a good decision on how to invest those capitals in wise ways. So example, for an example, uh, physical capital. We don't all have the same amount of energy, but we all have the same amount of time. It's a good investment of your time to try to get spiritual capital. And how do you do that? Well, one of the ways you can do it is to read your Bible is to spend time studying what Jesus says, looking at what Jesus does, and following Him, understanding the God of the Bible. That's a good investment of your time. There may be times when you study the Bible and you go, I don't really understand what that said. But I'm glad that I did it. I'm glad that I spent time praying and considering the creation. How many of you have ever watched a TV show and thought, that was a waste of time? Say yes somebody. Yeah. 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 We do it all the time. Instead, we can just pick up the scriptures and grow in our relationship, and it's accessible to all of us. Another way we do is committing ourselves to to serving in the church and connecting with our brothers and sisters, certainly in corporate worship on Sunday, but also taking a next step and getting into a, a group where I can grow relational capital and spiritual capital. By investing your time, you gain spiritually and you gain relationally. You're more connected to others. You have people who are around you know what's going on in your life and they can say hey let me encourage you when you feel discouraged so this is what Jesus is trying to say to the rich young ruler last week he come on hey I'm offering you something that's more valuable than what you have even though you have wealth and you have youth and you have power what I'm giving you is way more valuable than all those things so if you invest the things that you have into what's more valuable you're going to increase your ultimate wealth bank account But the rich young ruler couldn't see that because he valued financial capital more than spiritual capital. That's why he went away sad. That's why he missed out on the investment opportunity of a lifetime. He was too focused on his own idea of wealth that he failed to see what Jesus' idea of wealth really was. So here's the question for you. What kind of wealth are you focused on? What's the kind of wealth that you're thinking about the most? that you're pondering at night, that when you worry about or have anxiety over, what's the wealth or the capital that is causing you the most tension? That can help you determine, what are you thinking about all the time? And if you're thinking about one of these certain capitals, maybe it's financial, you're worried about wealth. Hey, look, nobody's uh, nobody's, uh, investment account is doing great right now. And there's reason to say, well, what's the best thing for me to do with that? But if it's causing you stress and pain and agony, then maybe you should invest some of that wealth, some of that uh, financial capital into some spiritual capital to be reminded that God is sovereign over all the markets and all the money and over me. So that I can have peace and not have to worry about what goes on up and down. How do we deal with this practically? is to take some of what we have. We have physical capital, right? You had the energy to get up today and to come here, right? So you're investing your time. How do you invest more of your time to grow spiritually and to become generous as a person? What are the practical things that you can do? is to say, how do I leverage what I have, my time, my money, my relationship, so that I can grow in these ways? And maybe maybe it's to say, it's really time for me now to join a group of others who are seeking to grow in God's Word and to, and to know what He says. I'm going to take that step and I'm going to show up. I'm going to invest my time and invest my energy so that I can grow spiritually. Or maybe this year it's to say, I'm really going to give faithfully to God's work through the local church. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sacrificially give what I have financially so that the kingdom can can be multiplied. Or maybe it's to say, I'm going to go to Honduras. Or I'm going to go to those Honduras meetings to help them plan that trip. Or I'm going to serve someone in my community that's in need. I'm going to give my time and energy to a child who needs to learn how to read. Because I know how to read. I could teach someone how to read. How am I going to invest? What's the practical step? Because it would be great if you heard a message and Matt shared a couple illustrations. He made us laugh a couple times. He said a funny story. And we walked out. We all felt good about church. Is that a success or no? Please say no. What happens to make it successful? We encounter what God is saying, and we see Jesus as worthy and worthwhile, and it makes a difference in what we do. We leave as changed people with a decision, a practical decision that says, I'm going to do this as a result of what God just told me to do. Whatever it is that he's telling you to do, that we do about it. Here's a way to think about this. Rank where you are with all of your different capitals. Right? Financial, intellectual, physical, relational, spiritual. Give yourself a score on a scale of one to 10. Where are you with all those different capitals? Rate yourself. And and ask yourself this, is this capital increasing in my life? Am I increasing in this capital, or am I decreasing, or is it staying the same? If you're low on one of the other capitals, then you invest in the other four, with the other four. For example, let's say you want to grow spiritually, which should be the goal of every person in this room listening to this, listening to the sounds of my voice. Invest what you have, someone who's farther along in the journey. Grab someone and say, let's do this together. Let me show you what God has taught me. This time is an investment of your physical capital. Get creative on how you do it. Think through. Have a new idea. What can we do to serve our community? Imagine the ingenuity that's collected in this room. People who have started businesses, people who have taught, who have been through hardships and struggle. The creative energy, the intellectual capital in here is amazing. How do you leverage that for kingdom advancement? If you want to get into some physical shape, you don't just go to the gym once. It's the same spiritually. If you want to grow spiritually, you have to keep at it. You might even need to spend some of your money. Buy a book, take a class, sign up for something. And then give faithfully to the Lord. One of the ways that we increase our spiritual capital is by investing our finances. After all, it's stewardship. Next week, we're bringing pledge cards forward. Be thinking through prayerfully. How can I give to the Lord to see His kingdom advance? Here's the deal. God doesn't need the money. He owns everything. It's not about giving to Him. It's about releasing what He's given to you so that your spiritual capital can grow in abundance. So you may remember that movie, uh, Forrest Gump. He gets this letter from Apple Computers uh, after Lieutenant Dan invests some of their money from the shrimp boat. He says he invented in some kind of fruit company of course, we know that's it's a funny story, but if you, if you look at that investment opportunity that they were given, uh, the estimated earnings on that initial investment of the shrimp boat money was um, $11 billion, right? If you, if you had purchased $1,000 of Apple in 1980, $1,000, you'd have $1. $1.5 million right now. 1.5 million dollars on a thousand dollar investment, it's a pretty good return. But here's the deal, you know who has 1.5 million dollars because of Apple, um, besides the big execs up there? Only the people that invested that money. Only the people that invested it. And why didn't you invest it? Well, you didn't know. You didn't know about Apple and you didn't know that it was going to do so well. Uh, Maybe you uh, invested in some kind of thing like Dogecoin or something and it didn't go well, right? Bitcoin. But we didn't, we didn't know and we were anxious to do it. But here's the thing, because it's not a guarantee, No, no one for sure knew that Apple was going to be as big as it is and half the people in the room had an Apple product in their pocket right now. None of us knew that. But you know what we know? We know that spiritual capital is valuable. And not only is it valuable in this life, but it's valuable for eternity. Because it multiplies and multiplies and multiplies. And so this is a guaranteed investment. If you want, listen, let me tell you right now, put your money, this is a guaranteed investment. If you leverage what you have for spiritual capital, you will get a return on your investment. What are you investing in? What's the kind of capital that you want the most of? How are you investing what you have? Ultimately, we see that Jesus was willing to make the investment. Because Jesus is the one, ultimately, who moves us to do this. He was willing to give up everything so that we could experience everything. In 2 Corinthians, it says this, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that you by his poverty, might become rich. We see the investment that Jesus was willing to make to bring us into his family, to set us free from sin and death, and that ultimately is what moves us to invest the resources that we have to experience his kingdom in this life. So what are you waiting for? Let's pray. Thank you for listening to this message from Woodland Presbyterian Church, Maturing God's People to Serve a Hurting World. Again, if you'd like to learn more about our congregation, please visit us at woodlandprez.org. Thank you very much, and God bless you today.